Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with Broadway film and television actor Brian Hutchison. Brian's appeared on Broadway in The Boys in the Band, Man and Boy, Looped, Exit the King, Proof, and The Invention of Love. Off-Broadway credits include How to Transcend a Happy Marriage, opposite Marissa Tomei at Lincoln Center, Smokefall, opposite Zachary Quinto, Pocatello, Regrets, Spirit Control, From Up Here, and Go Back to Where You Are, among others, at theaters such as Manhattan Theater Club, Playwrights Horizons, and Manhattan Class Company. In addition to performing major roles all over the country, Brian's film and television credits include the upcoming Apple TV series from Stephen King, Lisey's Story. Additional film and television credits include The Boys in the Band, Blue Bloods, The Sinner, FBI Most Wanted, Jessica Jones, Godfather of Harlem, Instinct, Madam Secretary, Elementary, Vinyl, Show Me a Hero, Killing Kennedy, Vino Veritas, Winter's Tale, Love and Other Drugs, Do No Harm, Person of Interest, The Good Wife, Law and Order, SVU, and Criminal Intent. Brian has recorded hundreds of audiobooks and is producing, writing, and recording an original serial podcast, I Still Think About You, available in 2021. Listeners, Brian is the real deal and has carved out and maintained an incredible career in this industry anyone could aspire to have. I know that I do. Of course, I had to ask him all about the Tony Award-winning revival of The Boys in the Band on Broadway turned Netflix film by Ryan Murphy. We talked about everything from the audition process, which is a story that you have to hear, the Broadway run, and the film version for Netflix. We don't talk a lot about the process or the craft on the podcast, but I loved hearing Brian talk about taking a stage performance and then making that same character, those same moments, work for the camera. Something I'm really happy to be talking about for the first time on the podcast is grad school. Brian and I both went to the Old Globe University of San Diego MFA acting program, along with his Boys in the Band co-star Jim Parsons. We were there at different times and only just met, so I'm so happy to be talking to Brian about his experience in grad school. Brian explains that it's not for everyone, but for him it was life-changing, and I totally agree with Brian. We also talk about representation. Brian has had the same agent for the past 20 years, which is super rare in this business. He talks about why and gives some really good advice for finding the right agent for you. One more thing before we start. This past week was the Artios Awards. If you don't know what those are, it's basically the Tony Awards for casting directors, honoring work in casting from New York to LA on both stage and on camera. Listeners, six of our podcast guests won awards. 
Our most recent guest on episode 32, Erica Hart, won for casting the film The Surrogate. Episode 29 guest, Pat Goodwin, won for casting the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. Episode 21 guest, Stephanie Clapper, won for casting the short film Net User. And episode 35 guests, dropping on May 3rd, James Clary, Erica Jensen, and Paul Davis won for casting the Pride Plays. So make sure to go back and listen to these award-winning casting directors and make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss episode 35 with all three casting directors of Kaleri Jensen Davis Casting, formerly Kaleri Casting. All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my conversation with the kind, charming, intelligent, and extremely talented Brian Hutchison. Brian, I'm I'm so happy. I mean, we're recording like us meeting, but I'm so happy to finally, like I said, be connecting with you. You've always been, you know, people have spoken about you or I've always heard about you. And then obviously the boys in the band was so huge and so huge for me. It was just something that I saw the I saw the Broadway production, which was oh, just like absolutely outstanding and mm. so well deserving for that Tony Award you guys got. Cool. Thanks, um, and then was obviously just floored and so excited when I found out you were all going to do the Netflix film and yeah. just so important for representation and sharing these stories. And you're a perfect person in my mind to be talking about, you know, on this podcast with the business and everything. And I, I'm cool. excited to dive in. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. For sure. Where um, where are you right now? Are you in New York or? I'm in East Hampton, New York, here on Long, Long Island. And uh, I've been here most of this time. I mean, um, my husband and I have had a house here. He, he bought a house here years ago. And uh, so we come out often on weekends or long weekends if we can, if I'm not in a play, maybe. But for the last year, uh, almost exactly, I've been here and uh, back in the city on occasion, but mostly out here. So many great things about it. And, uh, and, you know, it gets a little quiet too. So, uh, yeah. but it's been, it's been really, it's been a good place to be. Also, I record a lot of audiobooks from home. I have a studio here. So that's been amazing during this time. Cause it's really the only thing I, I could do or we can do since we're not allowed to work with people, um, yet. Uh, so that's been one good thing to come out of all this is, you know, a lot of, a lot of time here at home doing that. Yeah. For sure. That's not definitely there are worse places to be yeah. um, during this time. Sure. Uh, my partner and I just got back to the city. We were um, in Cape Cod for most of it for like nine months and then mm -hmm. went to Ohio for a month, which is where his family is, which I've actually like really grown to love because I Good. grew up on the East Coast. And then we were in Colorado for a little bit. So it's, nice. but it, it feels nice to be home and yeah. you know not so transient and trying to trying to establish some sort of normalcy, you know, or getting back to it. It's just been important. So ready for that too. I know. Yeah. So I do, I mean, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a geek nerd fan, but I do kind of want to start out talking about the boys in the band and then we'll back sure. up from there and we'll get into everything else. Yeah. Good. Good. It, it just was such an important cultural thing that happened and blew up in a really big way. And I think you were incredible in it and your, oh, your role and the part you play in it is just, I mean, you are the, you know, you're the change in the status quo. Your character mm -hmm. is kind of what brings about the play and, and it's yeah. a really special, wonderful, wonderful part. 
you know, being the breakdown, I know you're familiar and we talk mm -hmm. about the business more than process and, sure. and kind of the stuff we don't really hear a lot about. I'd love it if you share just your, um, how that job came to you. I mean, it was such a high profile, big job with some really huge names, mm -hmm. Ryan Murphy, you know, it just, it was kind of a huge thing. So I'm just interested to know, you know, this, the story. I also know that they were under the table looking for out gay actors, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It wasn't totally publicized, so just kind of maybe talking about all of all of that. Well, I'd met Joe Mantello probably about six years ago or so, and uh, we actually met because we went to go see Jim Parsons on Saturday Night Live, and uh, he was hosting. And so we hung out that night. It was really the first time I'd met him, although I'd been a fan for years of mm -hmm. his acting and directing. And then uh, a few years later, really a, a few years before the play, he had me over and just mentioned this idea and mentioned that it was probably going to happen. And it was it was kind of the thought that they wanted to get uh, uh, several gay actors, out gay actors to to do this play and that Ryan was producing and that the hope was that it would be on Broadway for the 50th anniversary of its uh, of its premiere off Broadway. So we did discuss it then. Although I was unavailable for a subsequent reading of the play, which mm -hmm. was crushing, you know? And so I, I think I was in a play at Lincoln Center at the time and it was during tech and, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. really, really difficult to get out of those things. And mm -hmm. so the timing was not really on my side at, at the time. And I'd honestly thought they probably moved on because they, you know, have their choice of many, many good actors. And, uh, you know, maybe like a year later, because because it was so far in advance that he originally talked about it and the planning was so long for their for their schedules they eventually came back and and asked me to um send in a tape and uh, i was out in la doing a play and one of the producers actually came to the play and i did send in maybe a, a scene or two mm -hmm. uh and then maybe a few months later they they called and and said that uh that they wanted me to do it so it was a quite a a journey of like, I knew it was happening. I knew that there was some interest, but you know, it could have sort of gone either way. I think there were a few readings in there that I wasn't actually a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and, and most of these guys were, or some, some of them were, and uh, they were sort of figuring out what that was going to be. But I was the final kind of, uh, I was the, f the final person to join the cast mm -hmm. um, because uh, just because of the, all the schedule stuff. It took a while, you know, um, but I was, I was thrilled. I mean, at that point I was, I, I was really into the script at that point because I was in LA doing this other play. They sent me this David Caparelli Otis, who I know that you had on the show. We love he was, David. Yeah, I love him. And uh, I've known him for years and he was casting it. And I, I said, should I send this tape in or is it, is it going to be offered to someone? What's the deal with that? Cause sometimes we want to know, I mean, sometimes, you know, there are offers out and you know that it's just a lot of time spent, um, you know, putting these tapes together and it can absolutely it can or not. And you wonder if it just goes into the ether. And he assured me I should definitely send this tape in because there were, you know, a few moving parts and different people that needed to make this, these decisions. And, and so it would really, uh, it would be in my best interest to do that. So I'm really glad I did. And God, I mean, what, what an experience because it ended up being over three years of our, of our lives. And, uh, yeah. And we have that bond now, I think, that will carry us through 
you know, really, as long as we're all doing this, as long as we're all here, it was such a, such an incredible time, an amazing experience, the whole, the whole thing, you know. Incredible. I mean, you know, I just love hearing, you know, no audition experience is the same. And that's why I love chatting with actors about this too. I mean, I I even just like want to back up, like, you know, um, Jim Parsons, also went to the old globe MFA program he which did. Is, uh, where Brian and I went was, was Jim in your class? Jim was a year behind me. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Very and cool. We were very fast friends when he came uh, to the program and I was like, that guy's hilarious and, and fun and interesting. And, you know, we did a play sort of immediately when his class got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we've been friends since then, you know, Incredible. And you go to see him on Saturday Night Live and then yeah. you're sitting next to Joe Mantello, which yeah. is just, ve- you know, very cool. And crazy too, because I'm such a yeah. fan of Joe's. And I, I, so I was a little bit like, uh, oh God, what, you know, is Joe Mantello, you know, where do you start asking questions? And you know what I mean? I've, there's, there's so many things in his career that are so impressive yes. that, you know, it's just not just like meeting somebody normal where you just kind of make small talk and there are things that kind of wanted to ask him about. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting night. I got to say. For sure. And then, you know, it's hard to say, but it's kind of like what I'm interested in on this podcast. Like, why do you think, you know, he met you once and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden a year, however long later, he invites you to talk about the role, you know, yeah. or to talk about the play. Like, you have some incredible credits, you film, television, Broadway, like obviously he's aware of you or have probably seen you in one of the many things that you've done. And you're obviously very right for the role. You were so, so brilliant and, and very perfect and very sweet and, you know, honest in it. And, um, but I don't know, does anything occur to you about like, man, like you were kind of sought out for the role a few times, even when you were unavailable for it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, except that I, I did feel like I was right for it, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. so it did kind of make sense in terms of, um, age and type and, uh, and the different colors and the different sort of instruments of all these, you know, that, that this, all these guys sort of brought to this production, I think it kind of made sense. It made sense to me. And Mm -hmm. so in some ways I'm not surprised, but, uh, as I said, uh, they had their pick of many people. So I think it just was kind of, um, how it all sort of, uh, how all those events sort of came into place. And I was thrilled certainly because the, the script really, really kind of made sense to me once I started working on it for, for the, mm-hmm. for the audition part of it. Uh, when I put myself on tape, it was, it was really something that I, I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, when did the whispers of the film start to come, you know, was that when you were still on Broadway? Was it well after? I mean, because that's, yeah wildly special that this got oh to be my preserved God. in this way. So crazy. I mean, I think we were doing the play and Ryan had mentioned that he he planned to or hoped to make a film of it, you know, with all of us. But you know how that goes. It's it's, you know, I'm I've been doing this long enough where those things uh are not a given, you know, mm-hmm. they're not promised. There's there's a sense of if anything we're so used to being replaced, you know, if something mm-hmm. then goes on, if we, if we do a play out of town, if we do a play off Broadway and it moves to Broadway, I mean, there's just this sense of disappointment and letdown that it, so much of what we deal with as actors that mm-hmm. it was pretty incredible. I have to say when, I think when we all got the call mm-hmm. to do the film uh, and I, and I think that there was a, it was smart in some ways because the chemistry was so good from the play, mm-hmm. unlike, unlike anything I've ever, I've ever been in. 
And you just, I guess you just don't know how it's going to work if you bring in other people. And we all had a, a shorthand, certainly doing the play. We didn't have to ask once we got to the set a year later, why am I saying this line to him? Or what does this mean? Or I'm not sure what our relationship is. I mean, so much of that work was was done. So yeah, I, I do think the the first thought of it was when we were doing the play and probably Ryan had the idea even before that. But we knew during the play it might happen, and then it really took you know later into that year for them to uh, to ask us. Yeah, you know I, this is just occurring to me. And after I literally just said we don't really talk about the craft, but I'm just yeah. so interested because this is such a specific experience. You did the show on Broadway, you know, yeah. you were for a while, you yeah. know, and obviously it was very successful. Then you get on a, then you get on a film set. You know, yeah. and then you're expected to deliver the good work that, you know, worked, you know, it also right. worked. So I guess they, they also didn't want to change any of the ingredients. But how do you as an actor, you know, because I think it's a unique situation to do something on stage and then like not change the performance. Yeah. But like then we're in this other medium, you know, you have close ups, you have a camera there. We don't have yeah. to talk forever about this because oh, yeah. it's just occurring to me. But was it? challenging or was it actually kind of easy or just, I'm just interested. That was a really interesting experience, honestly. I mean, we got to the set, the set was incredible. So different than the Broadway set, which was also mm -hmm. amazing, but so different. This really felt like we were in an apartment in New York in 1968. And we had about a week of rehearsal and Joe sort of blocked it out or sketched it out in how it might look camera wise, camera mm -hmm. angles. And, and it made sense to us. I think we just, started working through the script and you kind of understood the intimacy of this space mm. and what it was like to all be in the same room together or what it was like to be out on that terrace together. And, you know, there's a certain uh, technique and a certain volume you need on Broadway to, mm. to project out to 800 people. And, and so this was different immediately. And, and there were times where it, it was so different because it's in your muscle memory, you know, right. in a, <clears throat> in a scene with Jim up in his bedroom, uh, we both had it in our muscle memory to, to really kind of shout out the lines to the back of the house because we'd done this on Broadway and the way that the set was kind of, you know, taking in our, the sound. Um, yeah. It, we really had to kind of project out for that and we were right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So when we got to that scene, you know, which was toward the end of the shoot, it was just amazing, you know, to get to whisper those lines or to say them and get to say so much with a look that you might have several lines around that in the, in the play, but it kind of made sense. It was just not really adjusting the performance or the, the thought of what you're doing or the intention, but just kind of in the execution, it was much more, uh, it could be much more subtle, obviously mm -hmm. to take it down, but but also really, you know, incredibly intense, as you know, from having mm -hmm. seen seen both of them, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that you know, what you spoke about, that intimacy, like just even the space, you know, yeah. just changing it just, and it must have been really freeing and very, you know, very cool to, to do that. So, okay, very cool. Love, loved your performance. Hey, so thanks, wonderful. Thank fun. you. You know, always so interested to hear about it. And good. So I'm I'm interested because we I haven't really chatted with anyone about grad school or MFA yeah. programs and I'm just I'm just curious for you what was the impetus to go to grad school like where were you in your life kind of when you were like I I actually think that I'm going to you know 
take a couple years. It's not even really away from the business because you're doing shows at the Old Globe. You're meeting some, you know, New York and LA directors. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely important also for networking. But what brought you to grad school? And then maybe talk about your experience and getting out of getting out of school. Maybe yeah. how your career changed, if at all. You know, it did. Grad school for me was kind of a, a very charmed experience. It was it was amazing. I was in New York for a few years acting after college and I I moved to New York to be an actor, but I was realizing very quickly, like I didn't have even an undergraduate degree in acting. I I was an English major and I had done a lot of plays, but I'd never really studied acting. And it doesn't take long to figure out like, oh my God, it's hard. It's hard, (laughs) you know, and and there's a lot of people wanting to do this and what is going to separate you from the pack and, and how do you get there from here? And that was always kind of in my mind of like, how do I do this, you know? And, uh, I think after getting my ass kicked for a few years, I just kind of, I realized like, Oh God, I, this is something I need to do. I saw Arcadia at Lincoln center with Billy, with, uh, Billy Crudup, uh, who had just graduated from NYU and, yep. and my God, what an extraordinary, uh, performance. And, you know, and I was realizing and, and having, having seen so many plays in, in those years, like in the, in the mid late nineties, I was realizing like, God, a lot of these people I'm seeing in the playbills, they, they went to grad school, you know, they were coming out of some of the really good schools and, and I know it's not for everybody and I don't recommend it for every actor, but for me, it just made complete sense. Like everything sort of fell into place. And I was like, Oh God, that's, that's the kind of actor I want to be. That's the kind of acting I want to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work on good, sophisticated projects, hopefully with good people. And, mm-hmm. and you can't do that if you don't know anybody and you're new to the city and you have no you know, connection and you have no experience and no validation and justification for what you yeah. do. You know? So I was looking for those things and it was pretty clear that, that some of these grad schools had that, hopefully. So I did apply one year last minute you know, to NYU and Yale, I think. And uh, I was waitlisted and I was like, that just made me want it so much more. You know, I just realized like, okay, next year I'll actually really work on the the monologues. You know, I'll choose the right yeah. stuff. And, and I did. And I put a little more time into it and um, more thought. And, and that's, that's when I found the old globe. I was looking for different programs that might suit me. And uh, besides the one, the, the ones in New York or in, on the East coast, and I have to say, I mean, meeting uh, Rick Sear, who was the head of our program uh, when we were both there. I just saw him on the street. Oh my in God. New York. I know. He's I know. Best. He's, He's the, best. the best. He's the best. And yeah. you know, I, I, he changed my life really. I mean, I, I auditioned for him on that first day and I just will never forget the response, how I felt in that room, how I felt like I was seen, you know, I felt like what I was doing mattered. I felt like somebody cared about what I was bringing to the table. I feel mm-hmm. like he wanted to have a conversation about it. And it just, it, it just kind of made sense. And, and just somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, I, I, I want to go there. Like, I, I want to go there. Like, it doesn't matter kind of where else I get in. And uh, again, I was waitlisted at a few places and I got into the old globe and a few other grad schools. And, and it was just so clear that that was going to be the next adventure, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was free, which was huge yep. um, to, to graduate from grad school in acting with no debt is a, you know, something to think about because we don't really think about those things when we're younger. I think um, how long that's going to take to pay off how many of my friends who have gone to grad school who are still 
and still for years will be uh, paying off that debt. It's, it's hard unless you get a TV show or something, you know? So that felt like a good idea. And then once I got there, it just really made sense to me. I, I loved every minute of it. I met great people. I loved what we were learning. It was all kind of new to me just because, like I said, I'd never taken voice or speech or acting really. Shakespeare was new to me. And a lot of it was really intimidating. I mean, I think I wasn't really great at a lot of it, you know, but it, it took me a while to kind of like understand that I could do it or I had a version of what that was, you know, if that in that Shakespeare play or this thing that was out of my comfort zone. It was just getting to do this kind of work every day for those, whatever it was, two and a half years and to get to understudy so many good actors mm -hmm. and understudy so many plays that don't work, you know, to get a, to get sort of hone your critical eye was amazing for me. Um, and I got to work a good bit at the Oak Globe, uh, you know, on stage um, mm -hmm. as a student, um, sometimes in the summer and sometimes just during the school year, I was in casting a few plays there. And um, it was just life changing. I mean, I, I really felt like we, you know, treated as a professional, I think, while while we were there. And uh, but you're in school and you're still learning. And there were times when it was really difficult, you know, when you're understudying, you know, a Chekhov play and doing a Chekhov play at the same time in school, you know, so yeah. you have these two roles in your head that are giant and mm -hmm. kind of parallel, but all the lines are different and the circumstances. And so that was, uh, I remember those days and I remember it feeling like so overwhelming at times, but it certainly made me a better actor. It certainly, you know, I think polarized people that are out there that realize this is something I want to do with the rest of my life or, or not. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I really did. I was, I just sort of took it all in and left there with this sense of, um, with this sense of like ownership and confidence that I could do this. And, and I did have that validation and I had, uh, this sense of experience, you know, that you, that you can't get any other way really. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and when I finished, you know, it was a very charmed moment also, I have to say, I mean, I, we did our showcase in New York and I, I came back to San Diego and packed up my stuff and was driving back across the country. And I got a call from Lincoln Center saying they were casting uh, The Invention of Love on Broadway. And Jack O'Brien was directing it. And Jack was the, the head of the Old Globe Theater when, when I was there. And so he was retiring from the Old Globe to move to New York and direct. And, and I was finishing school. So we both kind of left at the same time. And he was directing this. And so basically, I, I printed it out printed out the sides at a Kinko's in Albuquerque and drove across the country and, uh, learned the, you know, the, the script, um, wow. the sides, the pages that we needed to, to audition with. And I got to New York and to a sublet that I, that I was, uh, uh to this apartment where I was going to sublet. And the next morning auditioned at Lincoln center. And, you know, that week I had this Broadway contract for uh, <sighs> several months. Uh, which was just incredible. It's, it was really, truly remarkable when I think about it, just what that re-entry to New York was like for me, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I don't take that lightly. I know that, you know, it's so difficult for so many people and has been so difficult for me at times too, but just to start out that way again in New York and have my experience be so much different than it was right before I went to grad school, Yeah, you know, it was just kind of an incredible experience, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 
it's that thing of like, Jack knew who you were. Do you know? Like he did. Yeah. You were talented and capable and, you know, right for it. But you also. I'd worked with him. You had worked with him. And like, that's something that we talk about too, is like, you know, there are auditions that, you know, sometimes you get, you just go in cold, not knowing anyone, but then, you know, you send a self tape in for the boys in the band and you've Mm -hmm. kind of already spoken to Joe Mantello and you met him at SNL. Do you know, there's like all these like little, I think of it like as like seeds that we totally, you know, and you never know what's going to grow or what's going to come back around. It could be years and years and years, but that's why, you know, it really, you know, they always say, just be a good person, be nice to everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. but you really never know where something's going to come back around or someone's going to get a huge promotion or, absolutely, you know, it's, it's an important part of what we do. And I think that's actually good advice I give to a lot of young actors that I talk to. I'm like, be a good person, be nice, because it does come back around all the time. I mean, just the fact that I, that I got to work with Jack at the Old Globe and, and we were friends and I loved the play that we got to do together and it went well and it was fun. But I mean, he, he knew, he knew me, you know, he knew my spirit. I think Mm -hmm. he knew that I could be trusted. He had seen me on stage. We knew so many people in common and that was, uh, a really kind of amazing experience, you know, and other mm-hmm. directors there too. I mean, you know, you're, you're auditioning for people all the time. I first met Dan Sullivan when I was at the globe, um, you know, mm-hmm. and di- didn't get cast in a play he was directing out there, but you know, I, I got the feedback that the audition was good and that, you know, he was asking about me and when I was finishing and, and then, you know, right after the invention of love, I got to understudy proof for yes and that original production and so my god i mean what what a what a first couple years really i mean it was really unusual and um i wasn't playing the part but i was you know i was there and i was i had it is a great job you know to get to watch that play every day my god and then to get to perform it and have the people uh, uh you know manhattan theater club who cast it they got to come and see me and and do that so you know you realize like all these things yeah like like you're saying all these seeds are planted and all these small steps and incremental breaks along the way i feel like you know it's not always been like a huge break that sort of changes everything but it's just these you know s- this slow steady climb you know yeah it's interesting you say that cuz the the slow and steady climb, I, I totally understand that a little yeah. bit more than I yeah. wish I did. <laughs> I think many of us do. Yeah. Because then you see people, you know, who to me, you know, it's not a slow and steady climb and it is like rocket ship. Oh my God. You know? And you're like, um, you know, it just, sometimes it's hard not to compare yourself or your career or, you know, but there are so many ways to get to to get to where you want to be and where you're going. And you, and you know, the more I learn in this business, the more I'm here, I'm just like, you never know where it's going to be. You never know what audition is going to, you know, sometimes the things you think are going to, you know, take you off or you're like, Oh, that went so great. I'm so right for it. And you never hear anything. And then something comes around that you're like, what? Like that? Okay. Do you know? I know. I mean, you know, I mean, some of the most interesting things I've done, I, I remember I did a play, that turned out to be really great for me. That was a uh, uh, Will Eno play called uh, Oh, the Humanity. And it was a uh, two, two-hander with me and Marissa Tomei. Okay. And that was huge to get that. Yeah. But, but I told Will, uh, I told Will Eno at the time, I almost left the audition because I was, it was one of those times I was in the waiting room and the guy that went in before me was a very well-known actor, you know, in New York, great 
guy you see around and several years older than me, but also right for the part. And yeah, and I heard him and I was like, oh, shit, there's no way, no way I'm getting this part. You know, like, what's the point? Like, why, why am I going to go in after this guy? You know? And I think those are those moments that you, you surprise yourself or something comes your way that you didn't expect. And you realize like, okay, uh, it's, it's validation. Again, I, I feel like there, there mm-hmm. is that sense that you, you know, a lot of hard work pays off and you're meant to be doing this and you're in, in the right place and, um, and you don't leave the audition. Mm-hmm. You know? As I have a couple of times in my career, I think there are times when I've sat there and I'm like, I, I just don't, I don't feel like doing this. And I, yeah. and I can't, it can be a struggle at times, but that was one of those moments where I was like, I'm, I'm really glad I'm in this play and it did good things for me really. But I, I, it was so close to just not um, allowing it to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that story. I think that's incredible. You know, that's that thing that we've, a couple people have said on the podcast of like, sometimes we cast ourselves out of the role or totally. we tell ourselves, oh, we're not right for that. Or, you know, but the reality is if this is a casting director that you've auditioned for more than once or twice and they're bringing you in for it. Yeah. They're telling you that you are in the world and you are an option, you know, that they want to see for the part. So, and and being able to trust the casting director to do their job, you mm-hmm. know, and that, you know, certainly there are things we get appointments for sometimes that you're like, absolutely not going to do that, yeah. you know, yeah. and you have to, you know, drive your own career. And, but yeah. it's that balance between knowing yourself, standing true and, you know, and believing, you know, the kind of work you also want to do. Mm-hmm. Then also that, you know, that thing of just having faith, like that you stayed for that audition, you know, and, and having faith those times when someone brings you in for something and you're like, you know, I'm having an experience. Like I was brought in for prior for angels in America for mm-hmm. you know one of these recent productions of it. And I was like, what? Like I, I would never. And then I thought, well, you know, it's Pablo yeah. Corporal and she knows me. And like, so, so yeah. I'm go. and then I had a blast, you know, yeah. and got very far into it. So yeah. it was, I think that's, I, I love that you, I love that you shared that. Cause I think it's important for people to hear, you know, and also as, as, good an actor as the guy was that went in front of me. I mean, I'll never forget that. It's like what you do is different. You know, anything I do is different than him. And it's, you can't really say whether it's better or, you know, whether that person's just kind of such an amazing actor. It's the colors that you bring to something are always going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that several times in my career. And, And I think that's one of the most interesting takeaways of all of this for me is, you know, what you bring to the table is, is unique and different than anybody else. And as good as somebody else might be, you're not really in competition with them. It's, it's sort of, you're, I always feel like I'm, I compete with myself to just be the best I can be in that moment. You know, I need to hear that a little bit more. I think, yeah, you know, being in competition with yourself, because sometimes it's so hard not to look to your left and your right and see the same guys at auditions. Or- Man, totally. I mean, for all of us. And I, I'm, I get, I'm surprised sometimes when I get a part like that, when I'm, I'm like, God, there were so many guys there that who are so good. And then many times when I don't get those parts too, and it makes sense. But, but I had an interesting revelation when I took a class with, do you know uh, Bob Krakauer? Of course. Okay. I drink the Kool-Aid, huge oh fan, taking multiple classes. So I took his class once and and I loved it. But one of my major takeaways from his class was like, I was the oldest guy there by, you know, several years. It was mostly guys in their mid, late twenties, I guess, mm-hmm. guys, men and women. And I, I was older and 
and a little more experienced, but like four of these guys all looked the same to me. You know, they all had dark hair and light eyes and they were all nice looking guys and mm-hmm. sort of all late twenties. And, uh, and my thought was like, they're all kind of the same, like they're all the same type, right? They're mm-hmm. all going to be the same basically when we do our scenes. I wasn't really dismissing them. I was just sort of acknowledging how hard this is because we're up against like these, you know, types and prototypes of, of ourselves. And oh my God, when they all did this scene, it was so different every time because you realize like everybody brings in their life experience, you know, where they're from and who they are and what their family was like and who their friends were and what part of the country and what dialect and, and what sense of humor or awkwardness or what they can access that is so unique about themselves, even if they don't know they're doing it yet. You know, just as actors, we have those things in the way that we approach material, you know? And, and so when I watched each one go after another four in a row, I was like, oh my God, these guys are so different. And Mm -hmm. they may look similar and be a similar type, but it was such a good lesson for me when I go in for these auditions and you do see, you know, the same guys often, older versions of you, younger, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's across the board. And for, you know, for years, sometimes the same guys, but you realize like what you bring to the table is different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I learned that when I, I, uh, have been a reader, you know, for oh my a lot and, and was for, you know, for a while, kind of before the pandemic, it was a, almost like a, you know, a steady side gig. And, but Amazing. I would see the guys coming in that I saw at auditions, you know, yes. and got intimidated by, because I knew they either went to a good program or they yeah. already had a Broadway credit, you know, Definitely. but then I would see them come in and I would read with them and they were all of course, like talented, but very different in their own way. Yeah. But I also realized for myself, um, this is a little bit different than what you're saying, I think, but, but cause these were people that were my peers, but I was realizing, you know, I can do that. You know, they're sure. not doing anything that I'm not doing. Absolutely. You, know, you imagine, oh, that person went in that room, maybe like you did with that Marissa Tomei play. Oh my gosh, she's such a brilliant yeah. actor. But it's like, sometimes when you're in there, when you're reading with the person, you're just like, oh, you know, like they're, yeah. I can do that. And then sometimes you read with people that are wildly brilliant or yeah. are so charming in the room with their I banter know. and their, you know, that you're like, that you learn, you know, you're yeah. like, oh, I could do that. I'm not, but I could, you know. I mean, that that's, again, something I talk to young actors about all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was a reader for years with uh, Daniel Swee at Lincoln Center, um, David Capriliotis, uh, Tara Rubin, but mainly with Daniel Swee. And, and I had a couple experiences where it was so incredible. When they did a production of uh, The Crucible in the early 2000s with um, Liam Neeson and Laura Linney. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was the reader in the room with Richard Eyre directing it and Daniel Swee casting it for every actor besides Laura Linney and Liam Neeson, right. who sort right, of right, came right. with it. But every actor from the first actor cast to the final understudy. And my God, I mean, that was like taking a masterclass in auditioning, in mm-hmm. directing, in what to do when you come into a room, how to take the space, what not to do, mm-hmm. how to talk yourself out of an how uh, talk yourself out of a job, like what we were saying earlier about being a good person and treating people well. Oh my God! I mean, someone would come in, and Richard Eyre would say, "Yeah, I like I like him. He seems great," and Daniel Swee would say he's a great ensemble member, you know, people love working with him. Yeah. And you realize like, oh my God, I mean, that, that, that's kind of what it's about. You know, if you're deciding between 
two people or a few people or or just if you like somebody to have a casting person uh casting director be able to say they're great to work with you know and they they have done good work here they're good ensemble member they're fun to have around you know Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference you know and that served me well too, you know, to see what people do when they come in the room and and uh, how the audition starts as soon as you walk in, you know, mm-hmm. all the energy you bring in, you know, all the stuff you leave outside. It's all, it's so important, you know, to remember. And you hear, you know, if you're lucky, some of the conversations that happen after an actor leaves, you know, uh, and you could, you know, the most brilliant actor in the world could leave and you're yes. you'd be like, oh my gosh. But then they're like, oh, he's too handsome. And yeah. at that they stop the conversation and his headshot goes in that pile Yeah. or like, Oh, there's just something about him or it's a no for me. And it just goes away. And you're like, yes, you know, or someone comes in, that's like fine. And, but for whatever reason, it's subjective. And this is what we talk about on the podcast for whatever reason, that person just looks like what they see in their head. Yeah. You know, when they, when they think about the show. So it's, it's just, um, humbling and important to hear those conversations for me. Cause I, it helps me understand, oh yeah, even though I did feel like I did my best work, it's not that I'm bad. It's not right. that I'm untalented. It's that they're there for a very specific, a yes. very specific reason. I mean, the amount of people as a reader I've seen who are brilliant and give an amazing audition and don't get a part, mm-hmm. you know, is it's extraordinary. You know, mm-hmm. so many people who have given their time to come in and audition, some people who don't even you think need to audition, probably. But mm-hmm. they, they're there and they come in and, and it's, it's, it's such a great experience for us to kind of learn, you know, and you need to be reminded of it, I think, over, over time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then more often than not, you know, I can think of like five examples of people that were brilliant that came in that didn't get the role. And then you see a month later or two months later, they book this big show or they're That's on true. deadline for this TV show. And you're like, of course. And I'm happy yeah. that that person, you know, it, it will never go, it will never go to waste. So. Yep. I agree. I'd love to chat just a little bit about representation and just sure. like anything you feel about it. It's a question I get a lot from listeners about, you know, how, how, you know, maybe you can say how you got your first agent. I don't know if you've been with the same people your whole career. Usually people switch it up a little bit, yeah. but anything maybe you'd like to say about um, how you not, na- how you've navigated that relationship, ways that you feel like you've cultivated and grown those relationships if you can talk about it when you felt like you needed to move on and why, or how you added someone to your team or just kind of anything along those lines, that's maybe occurring to you about, about representation. Yeah. And it, you know, it's the, it's the most asked question we all get. I think anybody who Mm -hmm. talks to younger actors or actors maybe who haven't been around quite as long, uh, everybody wants to know how do you get an agent? And it's a, it's a great question. Really, I mean, for me again, the the grad school thing came into play with that because I didn't have an agent really before I went to grad school, and that was one of my hopes or thoughts was like, you know, you need access. How is this? How is this going to happen? And uh, so I was fortunate in that when we did our showcase for casting directors and and uh, and agents at the end of it all in New York and L.A., I was pretty clear I wanted to come to New York, and I met with a few agents after that, but. I really responded to this one office. Uh, they were called Harden Curtis at the time. Um, HCKR is what they're called now. And um, I've been with them for about 20 years, you know, which is pretty amazing and rare. And, you know, it's been a good ride. Like I have to say, uh, I responded to them immediately. They 
they were all very complimentary of my work. And one of them sort of maybe more than the others sort of became my agent, although they all handle everything. They sort of Mm -hmm. split up the casting directors. And so over the years, I've seen a lot of people come and go there, but I think why I stayed, I mean, I've met with people over the years, uh, like, like when I've done something more high profile, I've been asked to, you know, uh, go to a meeting and I've, I've done that. And, you know, it, it's, I've considered it, it is a business relationship, but, um, I like them all as people very much. And, and I think what it came down to for me was, um, you know, there, there, there isn't that kind of bottom line with me. Like there's not this sense of like, Oh God, you have to make this much money this year or else mm-hmm. we're going to drop you. Right, <laughs> I feel like, right. I mean, there, there may be a better way of putting that. No, but that's a very real, that's yeah. a very real thing it you is. Know, because it is a business, you know? It's a business and everybody needs to, everybody I, I feel like is concerned with that. I think when you start with an agent, you know, it's like, what is that relationship? Are you taking them on? Or are they taking you on? And it is sort of this symbiotic relationship that is sort of undefinable and that they work for you, but they, they have to want to work with you and think that mm-hmm. you are viable in this world and that you are going to get cast and that they want to represent you. And um, I think the reason I've stayed with them for so long is it's just, it's comfortable in a, in a way that I like as a, as a person. Like I, I respond to them. They're nice people. They're good people. They're Mm -hmm. fair. They're honest. We haven't had any moments of weirdness, you know, Mm -hmm. over the years. And I know that that's unusual. You know, I know people have tricky relationships with their agents often and, uh, or, or they're seeking approval, you know, and, and I just haven't really had that in that. I think they, you know, submit me for some high profile jobs. Certainly I'd love to do those. Uh, I love to do television. Um, and they know that I like to do plays, you know, so if I get cast in a Broadway show, they're thrilled, but they get it. If I want to do a play off Broadway and it's not going to be much money, I think they, they understand, like they get it if I want to do a part that is interesting to me. And they also get that I'm not just kind of one thing, like in terms of type, they sometimes see me as kind of the leading man or the offbeat leading man, I think for certain certain projects, but they also know that I've, and have, they've seen me in everything over the years. So they know that I do some quirky, weird, you know, awkward kind of characters. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. I love when certain casting directors see me for those things, you know, who saw me in a play 15 years ago and they remember that I can do that. And I love that the, that, that my agents also submit me for things that are sometimes offbeat and sometimes quirky and, and other times for something more kind of standard and kind of, uh, you know, a functionary character. And I, and I like that about it. It, 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 it often felt when I would meet with other people that they were very clear on one thing I might do because yeah. they'd seen me in one play, but you know, it didn't really translate to kind of a larger career. And mm-hmm. I think they, they understand me in terms of a, of a career standpoint. And that's why I, I've stayed with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important again, to find that balance between an office that's going to submit you for larger projects and really push you to forward your career, but also understand that maybe you want to go do this regional theater play and you're going to go out of town because the director is important to you. The part is important to you, uh, you know, or want to do those smaller things and we'll submit you for those smaller things. Some of my friends that left their more boutique agents to go to bigger places, you know, they say, oh, my agent doesn't even submit me for, Mm -hmm. you know, regional theater or some low, lower paying stuff or theater in general. They only like do TV with me. And yeah. And you know, that's, everyone's, everyone's different about, you know, what they're looking for, but I think that can be the hard place. So it sounds like you're in a really good place of having that balance. Yeah. And if people request you for something, which is 
not all the time, but it, it happens. You know, if mm-hmm. someone wants you to do a reading or they're interested in you auditioning for something or, or an offer, I feel like, uh, I mean, they always tell me, they'll, they'll always say, you know, I'm not sure you'll be interested, but here's this thing. And I think often at the larger agencies, um, my friends who are some of whom are very high profile, sometimes don't even get those messages, you know, mm-hmm. saying, you know, from a director that say, you know, uh, I'm interested in you for this play or I'm interested in you for this Broadway play. Sometimes yeah. if they, if they don't feel like it's a good, you know, maybe fit for their client or, or their, or, you know, that actor is up for more TV or film stuff. Um, it gets lost in the shuffle, you know, and I, I don't love that. I mean, I like the relationships that I've made. That's whole, the sort of whole point of this career. And um, that wouldn't really sit well with me. You know, I, I like to kind of know who's out there and what's happening. And also if somebody's interested in me for a part, I kind of, I want to know that and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, be able to make that decision myself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's so well said. And I, and I absolutely share the same, share the same thoughts and opinions. Like I want to know everything. Do you know, I yeah. want everything to be run by me. So I, I think that's important. Yeah. Brian, this is going by so fast. I mean, God, yeah, I, I, mean, I can obviously keep talking <laughs> for so long and I hope we get to continue yeah. talking and catching up. And yeah. I'm so happy that this kind of, you know, brought us together. Yeah, man. I want to always like finish up with just a question about, you know, that Brian, let's say Brian, when you're getting back from the old globe yeah, and you let's like bring Broadway into it. Like you, you got that Broadway show. You're in that sublet. You just got back to New York. You know, yeah. you just signed with H, uh, HCKR, Hardin Curtis. Mm-hmm. And what do you, and, and you're successful. Like everything is happening kind of the way you wanted it to be. What's something you wish you knew? Like what's something you're like, man, I wish I could have gone back and told Brian this, or I kind of had to learn it the hard way or, do you know, which sometimes it's yeah. the only way to learn something is, is truly the hard way. But what, what comes up for you, I guess? I feel like you're, you're right. I mean, the only way to learn something is the hard way. Somebody can tell you something over and over again. We have to experience things. And, you know, we all get, I think, kicked around when we first moved here. But I, I would say for me, it would just be just kind of be confident, be bold, you know, continue going in the direction of these dreams, you know, it's like, and I did that, but, but to understand kind of like what we were saying earlier, I think that you are unique, that no one is, no one else is going to be doing the thing that you do and embrace the awkward, Mm -hmm. embrace the, you know, all of the anxiety, embrace the bashful, embarrassed quality that you have you know, it took me a while to kind of, um, understand that that was a part of me that was okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, A part of me that was uh, also marketable. You know what I mean? I mean, I've done a few plays where that has been what that's been about is, is me being, uh, embracing that kind of awkward side. And I think when you're younger, that's a, it's for some people, me, uh, it was, it was harder to kind of understand that because you want to, you want to be something else, you know, you want to be stronger or you want to play these kind of parts. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't always those, it was sort of falling into a few roles um, later on that I found like, Oh God, this is actually what makes me interesting, this mm-hmm. vulnerability, you know? So I think it would be to embrace the vulnerability and, and be confident about that. And then that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So well said. I also wish I could have told myself that. So yeah. 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 I mean, it was hard. Like I, I grew up like, having a lot of anxiety about like talking in class and talking in front of people. And so it was something I knew in my head I could do eventually, but it was really, it was years in the making in terms of 
like, how do I get there from here? Like I said mm -hmm. earlier, like it was in my head about like, I know I can do this thing. Like, I feel like I can do this. I feel like I can be an actor, but it's going to take a lot of, you know, getting over all these stumbling blocks. And so, you know, it's sort of therapeutic, you know, in a way too, over the years, I think to, to realize that you have come a long way from, from that, you know, yeah. uh, from kind of, you know, having a tough time with this thing that now you, you know, now you sort of perform, like I'll come home sometimes and my husband will say, I can't believe you were just performing in front of like 800 people. Like that's great. Like that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it, it truly is. And, and, you know, and the young person in me kind of still feels that, that sense of like, God, that is, you know, that part of it is remarkable. Yeah. I love that. It's so good to like check in on, you know, what your dreams were when you were younger and to look yeah. at where you are now, because I think as an actor, it's no secret that you're always reaching, you know, yeah. no matter where you get in your career, you're always like, there's totally. the next step, there's the next thing. So yeah. it's important to, you know, be able to check in with where you've come and what you're doing. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, so especially when we're find ourselves in this pandemic with, oh my God. Like, you know, nothing. And yeah. I think once we all get back on, on stage or on set or in rehearsal rooms or whatever, it's just going to mean something to all of us that we will never take for granted again. Absolutely. Yeah. I find it very moving, like how people want to get back to the theater. And I think that, that those, you know, those first performances are going to be really um, something to get through, I think for the audience and the, and the actors, you know, it's, it's incredible. Rehearsal is going to be, I look forward to it. You know, I really yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it will be soon. It will yeah. be soon. There's hope oh, on the horizon. So listen, Brian, I am so, so grateful for your time and for Likewise. you chatting with me. We have, uh, you know, we'll go into it later, you yeah. and I, but we have wildly similar stories uh, Interesting, um, yeah. about why we went to grad school, getting out of grad school, just yeah. similar situations. And it's just so nice to hear your perspective. And it's been so encouraging for me because you have a career that anyone could, you know, aspire to, and especially me. So I really Thanks, appreciate bro. hearing your, hearing your story it gives me hope and gets me excited for, man, just getting back in those audition rooms and getting, getting back to work. So right on, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. Hey, likewise. Yeah, your your pleasure, as is your podcast. So thank you. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there, like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening, and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!